I'm Mark Porter. I'm the CTO of MongoDB. I've been a database professional for probably 35 years now, and I joined MongoDB about three years ago. Welcome to the show. My name is Shane McAllister, and this is the MongoDB Podcast. As ever, we're grateful to have you tune in to another episode, which this time is a little different. Back in November, November 15th to be exact, we held a MongoDB.local London event. What is a .local event? Well, think of a .local as a slightly scaled-down version of our main annual event, MongoDB World, that we do in New York in the summer. We tour this around various cities throughout the globe, and that is what a .local is. A .local is an in-person, single-day event filled with announcement-packed keynote talks, educational breakout sessions, customer stories and presentations, along with free one-on-one Ask the Experts consulting sessions, networking opportunities, and much more. So, I took the chance of having so many key MongoDB personnel in one place to corral and perhaps even to coerce them to join me as my guest on the MongoDB podcast. In this episode, and over four or five more episodes, we'll air what was recorded live. And do forgive the background noise. We did our best to minimize it, but it's still there, which, to be honest, adds to the atmosphere of a live recording, I think. These are somewhat shorter than our usual episodes, so hopefully easier to consume. But as you'll see, with all my guests, we could have recorded for much longer, which is very true of my first guest, none other than Mr. Mark Porter, CTO of MongoDB. Mark and I sat down to talk about what had been announced during his keynote talk earlier that day, and as you'll hear, plenty of other topics too. So without further ado, let's take a listen. Hi Shane, it is wonderful to be back on the podcast. We're at London. You had a keynote earlier this morning, so there was a number of things that we went back over, announcements that we did at MongoDB World in New York. Um, But one of the biggest things that was announced that is brand new is our new university platform, Mark. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I am so delighted with our university program. MongoDB launched education back in 2010 with one of our founders, Dwight Merriman, actually teaching the classes personally. In 2012, we launched it more formally. Mm -hmm. By 2018, we had over a million registrations on the platform. And that has just gone up and to the right since then. It's awesome. But you know what? Things changed Mm -hmm. between then and now. The way we structured our education was long form, was proctored tests, basically. It It was kind of more of an academic style. And what we've learned is that people want something different. So about two years ago, we started redesigning MongoDB University. And today, an actual release that we made here today at the show in .local London, was MongoDB University relaunch. Excellent. And so I gather now you don't even need to register to go on to MongoDB University. You can get in there and start having a poke around and everything is accessible to you. Obviously, there's some more features available if you do register, but you can just get straight on it. That's exactly right. So one of the things that's changed is we believe that people should just be able to consume education whenever they want in small bite-sized pieces. And we finally realized that everyone was just like me, that when I hit a paywall or a registration wall, I probably abandoned whatever I was going to do 50% or more of the time. And so we want people to be delighted by the content. 
Now there are things like you said, that if you want to have a learning path, which is persistent between lessons, or you want to sign up for a formal certification where you'll get a LinkedIn badge or another kind of the digital badges we offer, yeah, you have to register for those, but you can get started with everything you want to get started on without registering. And we've gone a lot more granular now. They're, they're shorter, smaller lessons that are obviously more flexible for people to take as and when they can. They don't need to slot aside an hour or two to take a, a lesson or a module. Yeah, so we used to have long form and things would be like an hour or so. And now we've tried to keep things between five, seven, ten minutes. And in that five, seven or ten minutes there'll be a quiz that tests your knowledge, there'll be a lab you can do hands-on, and then you can just put it away and come back a couple days later if you want. And you can jump around because it's ungated like I said, you can jump around and do the things that are most interesting to you. Aha, so so the, the lab's hands-on, do we have an IDE baked in to the university platform so you can work in there without ever coming out of it? Yeah, exactly. And not only is it an IDE, an interactive development environment, but it's actually tied to real Atlas. So you're actually working in a cluster that you can do anything you can do with Atlas, and it spins up immediately. It's integrated with a environment that we have created that lets you track your progress, that lets you see your cluster, and we have just under a hundred new labs, hands-on labs. And the goal is, we all know that engineers learn by typing. Engineers learn by looking at error messages. Engineers only learn a little bit by watching a video or reading a screen. Yeah, or they'll learn how to watch that video faster, right? So they can get through to the end of it and get the accreditation or whatever they might need, right? Yours is probably the only podcast I don't listen to at 1.5x. <laughs> I listen to most podcasts faster than they are. The only podcast I listen to slower is our Spanish podcast, the Unicode podcast that we have with Diego and Jorge. I don't really speak very good Spanish, but they speak Spanish so quickly I listen to it a lot slower. But I, I'm, wow. So it sounds like you're using the podcast to, to learn more Spanish. So that's kind of fun. So let's get back to education. So we have ungated access, we have new labs, we have an entire 12 course section with five, four language modules that go with it. So you can learn in the language of your choice, the one you're gonna actually use at work. You can learn you know, many, many different things. And over time, we're gonna be coming out with even more courses on this new platform. The new platform has something we call learning paths. Mm -hmm. And learning paths are an ability for you to talk and tell us what your goals are. And then we will actually craft a learning path of different courses and units that conform to that. So it's not us choosing what you want to be educated on, it's you choosing what you want to be educated on. And MongoDB University, the new way of doing it, is actually here at your service. Wow, so if we've had a million to date, hopefully we'll attract a lot more users on board, seeing as it's much more flexible, much easier and ungated. And everything else you've said with hands-on labs, that sounds brilliant. Take us back to Dot .local London. We're at an event, we've all spent two years not doing events, and I've had the conversations I've had today with people who've had interesting conversations on the show floor or met some customers. We've had one or two people join me for a conversation who said they had somebody in the audience came up to them and said, I have that exact same problem that you've just told me a potential solution for. So for you, Mark, this is a big investment from MongoDB doing our dot .local events, which we tour around the world, which are a subset of MongoDB World, which is our big event in June. Events in person for you, Mark, this is obviously a, a you know, big chunk of your time, get you across the Atlantic over here to do this. What do you find so special about in-person events? 
I live a lot of my life on planes and have done so for the last two years mm. anyway. So I've been in a lot of the events. <laughs> so I, I don't have that wow, this is a new yes, back to an okay. event thing. Yes, yes. Um, but a lot of people do. So let's talk about what's been delightful about this event. So first off, after I did my keynote earlier today, I've had probably 15 people come up to me as I've passed them in the hallways as I'm going from something to something else and say, hey, thank you so much for the keynote about X, Y, or Z. I don't know why we as humans find that so delightful, but just being acknowledged that I gave value to someone is great. And you never get that over a webcast and you never get it over Zoom. So just the heartwarming nature of being in person mm -hmm. is incredible. And you've had a couple of customer meetings, obviously. Is it easier face-to-face -face with those customers sometimes? Can you take out a napkin and diagram something? Can you figure out a problem that may not have gotten sorted in an online world? Yeah, so that's exactly right. There's a couple customers I've met with today who, if they're listening to this podcast, will be laughing because they'll like, <laughs> Mark got out a sheet of paper and started just scrawling all over it to explain something. Yeah. And you just can't do that on Zoom. You can't do that over a phone call. And it... It just creates a sense of shared mission when you can get that close to people. And then it also, I mean, I gotta tell you, I have no trouble conducting business over Zoom, but there is a bucket of togetherness or a bucket of knowing somebody. And so there's customers who I've met today and partners who I've met today and press who I've met today, who now that I've met them in person, we have that bucket of togetherness filled. Yes. And yes. so now our digital interactions will be more rich and more fulfilling. And I just love doing that. So coming to these events is an investment for everyone involved, but I think it is indisputably worth the investment. Yeah, I think there's a certain serendipity that comes at events, these kind of hallway conversations and other types of interactions that wouldn't necessarily happen because you know the online world we occupy of Zoom, it's the 30 minutes scheduled, comes up to 30 minutes, everyone says goodbye, the screens go blank. Here, it's super hard to say goodbye to somebody after a set piece of time. And those conversations can take you down pathways perhaps unexplored or unexpected. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, there is something where we as humans interact with each other far more spontaneously in person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's delightful. No one has yet created a digital medium where that happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe someone will someday, but until then, events like this are gonna be irreplaceable. Sure, so coming back to the events, like the overarching theme of, I think all of the talks, but and our keynote, et cetera, is, this moving on of MongoDB being known as a database into a developer data platform and all the products and all the services and, and the suite of tools that we have, where do you see, like we're making developers' lives simpler and simpler. We've got serverless, we've got application services. Like where are we going with this? How, you know, how much easier can we make developers' lives, Mark? So I'm gonna go back a couple steps. When I started my career, we thought databases were pretty magical and our job was to make databases electricity. That meant they were always on. You could plug more things into them if you needed to. They'd scale up, they'd scale down. They were always the right voltage, et cetera, et cetera. And we want databases to be that. And frankly, it's taken a couple decades for databases to be that. And what I mean by that is there's this foundational need in the hierarchy of needs of just I needed a data endpoint. Mm -hmm. Well. That was back when apps could be deployed in months or years, and that was acceptable. Well, now your boss might come to you and you say, I need a new personalized app for our finance platform by the end of next week. 
well, what the heck are you going to do? The electricity has to be better. The foundation has to be deeper. So what we're doing is we're responding to the fundamental need of a developer to have a database and search and analytics and charts and mobile all right there. Now, each of those things is magically functional on its own. But that's not where the magic comes in, believe it or not. The magic comes in that we tie them all together. We'll tie your analytics with your database. We'll tie your, you know, your charts with your database. We'll do all that. So what we're basically doing is we're making the electricity or the foundation that developers need today because there's no possible way you can move as fast as the market needs you to move today if you have to do all that ETL, all that plumbing, all that monitoring. Now, you still have to work out your search queries. You still have to work out your MongoDB schema. So what you do at the endpoints is actually not that different. Mm -hmm. And we're improving that as much as we can. But the magic is what we're doing in the interstitial tissue. Mm -hmm. And we're making that interstitial tissue automatic, provisioned, monitored, serverless, all those things so that you don't have to worry about that. And so you can just come to the platform and you can just write your app. That's the magic. That's brilliant, and I, I love the fact that at the keynote, which is a brave move, Stan Amira did a live demo. So you're in a keynote, there's a lot of eyes on you in the room, and we do live demos. A couple of the other speakers who I chatted to were building things in 10 minutes. People were taking something that used to be a much larger workshop for them maybe a year or 18 months ago, they're now being able to build applications, back-end applications along with application services in 10 minutes live at an event like that. I think that that's transformative. It's absolutely transformative. My first experience with that, frankly, was maybe I should have tried our products out more before I took the job at MongoDB, <laughs> but I didn't. We won't go there. Uh, I, guess we, I guess we just did on a recorded line. You got line. the job, you got uh, the job. I got the job, it's all good. Um, well, maybe I just needed to check it out. But anyway, um, I'm sitting in a meeting, I'm about three months in, and I'm a little bit bored to tears. That happens sometimes in any corporation. And so while the meeting's going on, I turn off my video on Zoom, and I download Compass, and I spin up an Atlas database, and I load 300 and something meg of data, and I learn how to use Compass to query the database database, and I'd never built an ag pipeline before, so I figured out how to build an ag pipeline on the sample data, and I'd never built a chart before, and I'd never done any of this, so I stand up a chart, and I embed it in a web page. I mean, that's just cool, it's transformative. You know the really transformative part? I did it in 19 minutes, begin to end. I had never used Compass, never used charts, never built an ag pipeline, never done any of that. 19 minutes, begin to end. That's stunning. So that, I mean, to me, that just goes to show how intuitive it is, how, as you say, that plumbing just works. All of the various services that we have just works. And, you know, 19 minutes, you wouldn't even get to look at the docs platform and, and maybe some other competitors who we won't name any names there. That's stunning. Well done. Yeah, it's fun. So I think if you take what I did and you take far more capable developers than I am mm -hmm. in terms of building apps, I mean, I'm a server developer, I always have been. I mean, when I think about the way we can transform how they develop apps, it's just, it's just amazing. I'm so excited about it. So at here, I announced a lot more than just education. Mm -hmm. We talked about queryable encryption, which is truly a transformative technology which allows people to keep their data in the cloud where the cloud providers, that's us, mm -hmm. or AWS, or Azure, or GCP, can't read the data, and yet it's still susceptible to queries, scans, range scans, exact matches, and yet we can mathematically prove that there's no way your data can be stolen. Up until this time, you have had the really horrible choice 
Do I keep my data encrypted in the cloud and not be able to query it? Or do I make it queryable and I worry about exploits? We have destroyed that choice. You can now have both. But you've also removed essentially the last barrier to most people's reluctance to move off on-premise. So most in, say, financial or medical or kind of very, very sensitive uh, content and, and data being stored, they tended to go towards on-premise. They managed it, they controlled it, they looked after it, they, they knew where it was, right? You've removed that final barrier as well too with this. Yeah, I mean, I'll be really clear with you. You know, I have my whole career with the cloud for the last uh, eight, nine years. The cloud is more secure than people's on-premise data centers. Of course. They just don't yeah. know it. <laughs> but okay, we're going to cross that barrier. So it was, it's never been the developers who didn't want to move their apps to the cloud. It's been their compliance people or their CIO mm -hmm. or their CDO or someone like that. And when we launched queryable encryption, one of the most surprising things that has happened is CTO and director of engineering and VP of engineering after each other just, they pile on and they say, I can now move to the cloud because I can prove to my compliance department and my CISO and my CDO mm -hmm. that my data is not exploitable. Mm -hmm. So literally people have said, this makes something possible that wasn't possible before. And speaking of moving, we also talked a little bit in the keynote about the relational migrator. We did. So, you know, I, I, I frankly spent the first 15 years of my career getting people onto relational databases, and <laughs> apparently I've spent the next 18 years of my career getting them off of them. Um, and, and there's good reasons. And, you know, yeah. MongoDB Kool-Aid. The yin Kool and yang. The yin and yang. Yeah, I guess. Or, or, or karma. Maybe the it's karma. karma. Yeah. Um, I met with a couple customers today who knew me from my prior relationships okay. when I sold them relational databases. Oh, wow. And you can imagine they made fun of me. So, um, but that's fine. Um, a lot of people need to get off of legacy infrastructure. A lot of people need to get off of legacy monolithic applications and develop modern applications. The problem is it's really hard. So we developed a technology called the Relational Migrator that lets people run this tool, it analyzes their relational schema, it brings up a, 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 vi a visual tool that lets you rearrange your schema and embed documents in the way that your programming language now naturally wants you to do, and it allows you to migrate your data. It starts right now with allowing you to do a one-time migration of your data, but coming soon is the ability to do a long-term, persistent migration of your data, because one of the things we've learned is that it might take two years to migrate your app. As much as your boss wants you to do it next month, it might take two years to get your new apps running in a modern framework and your old apps are still running. So by giving people the ability to have ongoing persistent migrations that stay up, mm -hmm. we can actually grease the skids of these migrations for company after company after company. Yes, yeah, so, so they don't need to consider this being a two-year process, this is an ongoing process. They can just so turn can... into an ongoing process where they get that first migration, the MongoDB database or databases are now caught up with their relational database, and now they can write apps on MongoDB, and they can slowly transition all the apps that were using that data from one database to another. Now eventually, we all know they're going to turn off their old endpoint, mm -hmm. but they get to do that at a time of their choosing, not at a time which is unnatural for their business. Because at most enterprises, there are multiple consumers of those relational schemas. 
And the transformation that's taking place is we're breaking down those schemas into microservices where you might have one team taking care of one microservice and advertising APIs to other teams who take care of other microservices. But back on the relational, everyone mucked with everyone's data all the time. And so you couldn't even figure out what app was touching which data. So that transition of getting to a modern microservices-based architecture with true fine-grained authentication, true monitoring, true operability where teams own their DevOps deployments out of centralized DevOps, which is what you have on relational schemas. I mean, it, it's just major, but it takes a while. And so giving people the tools to do it. Now, no one ever said transforming databases or data infrastructure was easy, but we make it less hard. Less hard, I like that. And it's probably a, a really neat way to finish the conversation. I know that I could talk to you for ages. And you've been on the podcast twice before, and we'll try and get you back on again. But for now, Mark, was there anything else you took away from your visit to London and .local London here today? So I've taken away a lot from .local London, and the world right now is going through a hard time. And I meet with customers regularly. And so when I think about what our customers, who are businesses, are going through, and I think what their customers, who are other businesses or consumers, are going through in terms of the macroeconomic environment, in terms of, shall we say, the chaos going on in the world in general, I'm delighted to say that we as an executive team at MongoDB, the board and the executive team, we are focused on being everyone's partners. We're focused on supporting the businesses who've put their trust in us. We're focused on working with them so that they can do great things for their customers. For example, a customer in Mexico who spun up a business on MongoDB Atlas who focuses on getting unused food to people who need it. We love businesses like that. A business in Vietnam who is building a fully digital bank, whose entire goal, they don't have a physical presence at all, but they are a completely digital bank, so that Vietnam, which has an all sorts of geographic challenges to get around and all this, can offer digital services to people who fundamentally, to date, live cash in their wallet. Mm -hmm. And so we are made happier and we are made more fulfilled by the partnerships we have with our customers and the good they're doing in the world. Excellent. Well, listen, I think that's a superb place to leave our conversation. Mark Porter, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Shane. It's always a pleasure. Mark is a superb guest. Indeed, he's been a guest on the podcast a number of times already. And as you can probably tell, I really enjoyed my conversation with Mark. And, but for his other commitments, we could have talked and talked. Hopefully, we'll get him back on the podcast again in the future. Thanks again for listening to this special live MongoDB.local episode. We really appreciate it. And as ever, if you did enjoy this episode, please do go out of your way to leave us a rating and even a review on whatever podcast platform you use. It really does help us. So from me, Shane McAllister, and the rest of the podcast team, until next time, do take care and thanks for listening.